ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tristan Watkins, and today we have a special guest, David Baker. Now, you're probably wondering, who, who am I? Who is this guy? What are we doing here? Um, to be honest, we're going to talk about that today. Right. We're going to break it down, who we are, what our goals are, and uh, where we want to be in life, as well as give you guys advice on how we got to where we are at this table, in this room, in this place. Maybe not our advice, just uh, general advice. General. We've heard from other people. Okay. So I think uh, in, in a good podcast, we start by asking you who you are. Well, I'm David Baker. David Baker. I've been working for you for over a year and a half, over two, maybe maybe, uh, maybe a little less than that. I'm not sure about that. Nice. Good old fresh yeah. water. So this is the TriFlix podcast, the TriFlix cast. This is the TDF. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So my name is, again, Tristan Watkins. We started this company a long time ago. And uh, through various events, we created an LLC. Uh, he was a friend of mine, brought him in the company. And we've been working along ever since. So what? Uh, I'm going to keep asking you some questions. So what is it that you do here? Well, I, I got a lot of grunt work going on. I try to make it easier for you to do your job. So it ranges from just being productive, just finding better ways to do what we're doing now, and then just getting the solid video editing out of the way so you can piece it together into a real story. Yeah, I, I kind of would describe it as like a efficiency manager. So it's not like you're, you don't have responsibilities because a lot of the responsibilities are ones you take upon yourself because you're like, hey, this isn't effective. This isn't efficient. Like we could do this so much better. And a part of that comes with like prior knowledge from the types of work that you've done in the past. And, and maybe we could touch on that a little bit. So the work that we're doing here is multimedia production studio house. And that includes photo, video, websites, podcast, uh, logos and graphics. It's just a wide array of everything. And we can dive more into that later. But for now, I'm curious of what, um, what's been your work experience and your creative past that has led you to the point of basically making media more efficient. Yeah, so I think the distinction right there is what you said is uh, the creative aspect. And I have a more analytical and like systematic point of view. So that's why I'm so great at this is because my brain loves sorting things, like destroying <laughs> their very foundation and rebuilding them. So yeah. they work in like a really efficient way. And you are the opposite. You just do the things and you don't think about how you're doing them and you just no. figure it out. Yep. And you have no idea how you figured it out, but you did it. Yeah, which has led into some issues along the way because you've come to me before and you'll ask, hey, um, how did you do this or why did you do this? I'm like, I, I, I honestly don't know. I did it and it's <laughs> it's done. Why does it matter? And what that leads to is um, myself learning how to work alongside of those people that are different than me or have a different mindset. Because uh, a lot of times you bring up good points. If I don't know why I did something or I didn't document or record it, then that leads to the, the possible time waste later on because if you're doing something that i already have tried and i should know why it didn't work mm. uh, it could save us a lot of time and again absolutely efficiency that's what yeah. you're doing man and so my background is in computers and computer information technology and the very core of that is being organized and how computers work is that very systematic point of view so my mind is always working in that realm and so when i see something in the outside I try to make sense of it through that like cone of view because mm -hmm. that is how I've always kind of operated. Okay. 
So like how how early like you talk about computers a little bit like how early did you start to deal like dabble with it and then mm-hmm. at what point did you realize like hey this is something that I might be wanting to do? Oh, ever since I've been a kid, I've been interested in computers. My parents were really really concerned because they I wouldn't want to go play outside and go mess with the computer, mm-hmm. and so it's always been a a big interest and an influence on my life, and it's been my main hobby throughout it, and so. It wasn't any sports or anything. There wasn't a lot of creative outlets that I actually had. And so I almost went in uh, full force to uh, computers and how they work and understanding them. Was there a, a project in particular that stood out to you growing up where you're like, hey, this is this is really cool or something that stood out to you as something unique that you didn't see other people doing? Mm, I've always wanted to build a computer. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, we had, like middle school, high school, there was computer like geared classes that I just really, really wanted to get my hands into. Nobody was super interested. They were off doing other things. So I didn't have a whole bunch of people to collaborate on that with. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to notice like, hey, this is really something that I've got a knack for and not much other people do at the moment. Right. Yeah. Stuck with it and Mm -hmm. got good at it. Honestly, I don't think there's too many people in the area that I would rather hire for this position, not just because we're friends, but I think you've developed like a really good skill set of just um, one work ethic, but two, you've worked with a very niche type of, uh, I don't know, uh, like the stuff that you worked with these computers, like Mm -hmm. you were able to start up a server from scratch, which is something I would think very few people in Columbus yeah, you know that have free time to do so. There's people. We have a lot of engineers here, mm-hmm. and I'm sure all of them are more than capable. I'm sure if people in Columbus that currently don't know how mm-hmm. wanted to, they can invest the time and learn. But the fact was, you just came straight in. You're like, oh, hey, you're you're storing all your files wrong. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You say, oh, they're all on your computer. How can I get to them other than just sharing a drive back and forth? So, mm-hmm. okay, we should do the server, uh, and it's still a work in progress. But oh yeah. there's ways to go but a lot of it has to do with just like the time and experience you got to put into that Mm -hmm. you you can't just pick up oh i want to learn how to like set up a server like there's so many like prerequisites to that like you know how does a computer even work in the first place like why is a server called a server and not like your laptop yeah why are those honestly to 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 me it would make a difference as long as because like we're saying i just I just want to work through it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm not going to put in that that forethought on how could make this more efficient later on. My idea is when I look forward thinking, I'm trying to figure out what we could create long term, not how could we make it more efficient in the process. Mm-hmm. So that's where I like the partnership between you and me. Whenever I have a big idea, you're always offering these ideas on yeah, these are great ideas and we can get to it, but let's do the fundamental groundwork now so that way as we grow and build, we can sustain ourselves and it's actually something that could continue to grow rather than we get big, um, mm-hmm. whether that's doing projects or whether that's building up our inventory of stuff that we can sell later on. As long as we're taking the time to prepare for it, then it won't be a big deal later on. The creative types, they are really good at like having this big vision and mm-hmm. ultimately like achieving it. And sometimes it overwhelms them, though, and they lack the technical people like to make that execution happen. Yep. And so you, having that balance is really key to making sure like you're successful in anything. Yeah. And it's just like two sides of a coin. You yeah. know, you need you need both. You gotta have both. You, you know what a one-sided coin is? 
It's not worth anything. There, there might be one out in the world. I, I don't know of it. <laughs> no. So what are, what are your goals? So you, you talk a little bit about um, your, your background and, and when you realized that this was something you're interested in, but uh, a job's just something you show up nine to five for. Like outside of what you do, what is it that drives you and what is it that you want to potentially attain in the long term? Um, well, job-wise, career-wise, I'd like to be able to have a job that involves software development because I feel like that's where I excel the most. But that's just something I'm going to do. It's not really the why. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm living my life to become the best software engineer or whatever. That's not really why I'm doing anything. I just want to help people. And I feel this is something I'm great at. Maybe good, not the super great. But you get there. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back when I get there, right? Uh, but I, I feel like I can help people with this because not everybody knows how to do it or knows how to do it well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, if I apply myself to to help those people who really need to get stuff done and I feel like they have a good cause, like that's a, that's my that's my drive for all this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty well summed up. Uh, as far as the uh, original vision, was there, as you were growing up, like you, you had these ideas of what you wanted to work on. Um, did you ever have aspirations of owning a company? Did you ever have aspirations of having a flexible schedule? You're like, I want to work at Google. I want to work at Cummins. Like, what, um, did you have a big picture? Um, no, I wasn't really a big picture guy. I, I knew I liked video games. That was a big draw for me. Cause it was like, this is so awesome. I'm having fun. I get to play with friends. It's something I can make. Like, wh- why not do video games? And so at, when I was a very young age, like, that would be super cool. I think a lot of people kind of have that, like, aspiration. Like, I want to make the thing that I enjoy, right? Right. Um, but when I was really young... I, I didn't have a, a super big vision for that. I just knew it was like, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Not much planning at that stage. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned like um, people wanting to grow up and create the thing that they enjoy. Mm. So I, I was listening to um, another podcast, the uh, Corridor Digital Crews uh, podcast, and they were oh, yeah. talking about uh, the idea of kids growing up and wanting to be things that they idolize as perfect or amazing and like you want to be a cop and it's like well do you want to help people it's like well no Mm -hmm. i want to be a kind of like a badass it's like why do you want to be an astronaut it's like because i want to be cooler than all my friends like these are the reasons growing up a lot of kids choose these things but usually it's like in your teenage years or at least it was for me and it sounds kind of around the time frame for you um that's when i started seeing a lot of youtube creators create vfx pieces and i was like oh my gosh like i have no real desire there's a ghost in here oh no the door just opened by itself uh, I was just saying that I never really, I mean, there was parts of it that were like, oh, this is cool. And I want to be, I want to do this cause it's cool. But whenever I was making content, I never wanted to show my friends cause I didn't think it was cool. So mm-hmm. for me, the reason I came into video and the reason I even came into VFX was cause I enjoyed watching some YouTube content creators that solely made special effects videos like Corridor Digital, like Freddie W, um, the early days of Film Riot, Indie Mogul, like these are the fundamental channels that help develop like my interest and and things that I enjoyed watching and I always wanted to create that and mm-hmm. thus, you know, kind of start in the company. Uh, but that that's, talks a little bit about my inspiration for why I do what I do and, and we we'll, might yeah. talk about that later either today or another cast, but 
what is it that really inspired you? Was there an individual, a person, a company, your parents? Like, what what got you into this? I I have, I, I'm not sure exactly. I don't know if I have a pinpoint on what. I think it just accumulated over time almost. Mm-hmm. Um, was there like a piece of work that you saw that just really stuck? Because you mentioned video games. Was there like a game in particular? Because growing up, mm-hmm. Modern Warfare was big. I would come home every day, play with my friends after school, and that would be like four or five hours a day for months on end. You know what? Um, on the Xbox, uh, many people played this, probably Halo 3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I spent a ton of time in the Forge mode. Uh, like making maps? Yeah, making maps, messing with the mechanics of the maps. Because mm-hmm. that was like the closest thing you could have to really being like a developer in a video game at that time. Yeah. And nothing really let you control like, like when things showed up, how they showed up, or you know where you spawned. That was insane. That was a fun amount of time. Right. I just, like, I don't know if other people enjoyed it as much as I did, but, like, me and my friends, we would just go into forge mode and just goof around mm-hmm. for, like, five hours. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have any other time other than, like, Halo and Forge. Yeah. And now you have programs like Unity where you can essentially do the same thing with less restrictions. Yeah. Um, that was, that's really cool uh, software in itself. I don't know. Have you been able to venture out and to like reconnect with that idea of uh, software development specifically for video games since then, or have you been more particularly like, focused on your schooling and work like day to day jobs? Like, have you had that time to pursue that passion? I've moved on to other games. Uh, back when Minecraft was still in its beta before it even got fully released, when it was just doing it was, it was just Notch and his. The original creator, Notch, was just doing stuff on his own, and he yeah. had a small little team. Um, I got involved with a server in high school that was all about like, building massive builds and everything, and they enlisted a team to make a plug-in to, like, to modify the game so they could have more tools and more things they could do with the game while they're building, like make it so everything's bright right. or they can see super far, things like that. And I was on a team that was helping make that. And so I, I, I was able to really ramp up and get into that developer scene all the way from like that forge area way beyond yeah. I ever thought. And that was, that was like sophomore year high school. And um, I, it just outside of the podcast, I think we've talked a little bit. Did you ever, it was a similar time frame. They had Gary's Mod coming out. Yeah. Did that have any impact? Gary's on? Mod, I have spent probably just as many hours in Minecraft that I did. And I can actually see the amount. I think if I were to look now, it probably says over 3,000 hours. Oh, man. And that, that was starting since high school. Yeah. I, I didn't st- study a lot in high yeah. school. And the thing about it is, is like, that's something you were clearly passionate about, something you enjoyed, something you could come home and, and take a break from. And I know there's always going to be people that are like, oh, you, you spent that much time playing a video game or you spent that much time programming or reading or whatever yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's something you're passionate about. So, like, whether that's... Over the course of five years, you collectively spent 3,000 hours playing a game or working out. Mm. Some things may be a little better for your body, but at the end of the day, like what's good for your mind? Mm-hmm. And if if you're getting some sort of peace out of it, I think that's great in itself. And I think more people should continue to pursue their creative freedoms, but like also whatever helps them kind of escape in a healthy way. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that at least yours was developing this uh, this passion along the way. Yeah, um, and and I think we talked a little bit about this. I'm just going through the notes. We had uh, talking about evolution and how how you've changed your 
goals and how you've changed your perception of what you want to be and what you want to do as you've grown. Uh, is there any more that you want to add to that? Mm. Well, I, I think the core motivation is still there. I really want to help people. I want to be a positive impact wherever I go. Mm-hmm. And through that, I've learned and just throughout life and in college that I don't want to just shoehorn myself into just one thing. Right. Like I don't want to just be a software developer and be good at absolutely nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I want to understand more of computing if that's what I'm going to be going into. So if I am going to be a software developer, I want to know like, Hey, how do phones work? Right. Because phones work drastically different than your computer or from your Mac. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know the actual numbers on it, but I was reading a couple articles talking about how, you know, hobbyists and mm-hmm. people that build computers for fun or is kind of that market's slowly going down as laptops are starting to rise and now the laptops are actually starting to go down in replacement mm-hmm. for all-in-one all tablets and surfaces and as phones are getting bigger the 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 differences between a phone and a tablet are getting smaller and smaller and you know the idea behind this is yeah, the phones, phablets the phablets <laughs> yeah the phablets uh, i mean like as as those become grossly more popular i'm not a fan but i i do enjoy the phone i i really do enjoy these i they, they make like so much simpler but my point yeah. is phone development is going to you know become a, an even more growing and emerging market mm-hmm. uh, i mean i think we'll need computers for at least another 15 20 years and a phone's pretty much just a smaller version of that right now you can make apps and stuff for computers on computers I haven't seen anything like that for phones or tablets where you can make apps mm-hmm. for a tablet on a tablet. And and do you think that's just GPU restriction, the fact that phones don't have GPUs, you know, something to compute a bunch of little tasks, or why would that be? It's a majority of the things. Like, one, just look at your phone. Look how small that is compared to, yeah. like, your your desktop computer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can only do so much in that before it gets burning hot in your hand. Right. Yeah, just leaving it out, you know, just just leaving it out on your desk for the day um, with notifications coming in. My phone will still get hot. That's actually why I had to replace mine just a couple months ago. Yeah, it was dying. So it, there's only so much you can ask of something this small in mm-hmm. this form factor. Maybe something comes up in the next five, ten years that'll yeah. change that. Well, part of it is also you have thermal properties of a device like this. So if you want it to be waterproof, that means it has to be sealed. And the better sealed and the better insulated something is, the more it's going to retain heat. Mm-hmm. So phones have actually, the battery lives have become stagnant for about the last five or five or six years for the most part. Um, I think people's, uh, I think people's like perceptions of what they need, like we're, we're about at the limit that we're at. So they're mm. just trying to develop phones to be to be more functional. It's like, well, if I drop it in a puddle or in some people's cases, the toilet, will it still work? And, you know, yeah. they're aiming for that functionality. So I don't, the market's going to go to wherever the majority's at. And I don't think, you know, there's that need at the moment or that desire large enough for developers to be developing on phones. Yeah, I mean, it's just not fun to either because if you're going to do it, you're going to have to get a keyboard. You're probably going to want to get a bigger screen, and then oh look, it's, it looks yeah. basically like a computer. It's a computer, and like why would I want to take this thing and put it up there? I people like to have uh, sectioned off parts of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even really put video games on my phone because I don't want to be compelled to play video games on my phone when I have it with me all the time. Yeah, I, I save that for my game gaming computer back at home in my room. Just compartmentalize. Yeah, keep it separate. 
Yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. I know some people that do that with social media. They, they leave mm. it on their computer because when they're out with their friends, they don't want to be distracted. They don't want that impulse. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to be listening to 10-second TikToks while they're hanging out, you know? Yeah, I, I couldn't stand. If, if something shows up, this is a whole separate topic. But I have a system where if something shows up, a notification on my phone, it has to be addressed right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not something that should be addressed right away, I'm going to make it so it never shows up again. Right, because it, it must not be that important. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, why why is it showing me it now? Like, why is it interrupting whatever conversation I was just having, driving, whatever? Mm-hmm. So it's restricted mainly to emails, direct messages, yeah. phone calls. Yeah, and it, it's even better because if uh, you don't have a lot of friends, then you don't have to worry about getting the texts and calls. <laughs> yeah, well, I, <laughs> it depends. Yeah, you can tell them, like, hey, like, uh, if something's really important, call me mm-hmm. or if they even remember to right. do that and even right. automated like i like you said like can i take care of it quickly can i have a fast turnaround is it important i the automated replies not the mm-hmm. ones that you just like pre-selected templates but like the fact that i can just hit um say you know hey google and it would do something that's um, i probably i just prompted your phone too but i can have it do nearly anything and mm-hmm. it's all hands-free and what that allows me to do is to make those quick replies even when I am busy. Because yeah. if it's important, I want to get it taken care of quickly so it's off my mind mm-hmm. and I can focus on whatever it is that I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, you you got to give a little bit because when you're in the middle of something and something shows up and it's semi-important but maybe doesn't need to be addressed right away, but you probably should still, mm-hmm. th- that's good for it. Yeah. And uh, what I've uh, broken down to is I have uh, events on my phone calendar my phone can tell if there's an event that's busy, it automatically silences my phone or yeah. automatically turns it to vibrate. And then when it's out of that, it just throws it on full blast ringer. Is that like a, just a setting you flipped or is that something yeah. you did, you, you know? It's built in. You have to dig around for it in the settings. Mm-hmm. I My phone had it in a separate app a while ago when I had a Motorola phone mm-hmm. and I loved it. Like as soon as I discovered it, it made me so much more functional. Right. And it gives me like a warning 30 minutes before an event starts anyways. Like, oh, I need to be somewhere 30 minutes. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then my phone also knows like I'm there 30 minutes. I want to make it so it only vibrates. And it, that's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's you learning based out of necessity. Like if this was something that bothered you, you wanted to, you see, you sought it out and you, you found a solution. Uh, as far as like your development as an individual uh, mm-hmm. growing it, whether this one's whether you want it to be personal or about your career, um, what has been the biggest influence on your learning process? Is it try things out, fail, figure it out, or is there like a resource that you've gone to that you just you keep coming back to? You said you spent mm. three thousand hours playing games. Like, yeah, what's uh, what's been your biggest learning asset? Uh, iteration, doing, just trying, seeing how that works. Uh, it might work, may not. It might fail completely. It might work on the first try, and you're like, what? That's not supposed to happen. Right. And, and that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> happened many times here. And after, like, <laughs> many other attempts on other things, you're like, oh, this isn't going to work. And then you're like, oh, okay. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel right now. Um, that that In programming, uh, that's where I employ it the most, too. I'll make something and be like, okay, it somehow works. It's not really good. And then I'll just scrap that entire thing. Like, okay, let's do that better. And so I just make something and it's okay. 
throw it out, make it again a little bit better. Just keep doing it over and over. You iterate over and over. Yeah. Because every single time you have more experience with that. And that, that takes persistence. It takes discipline because there's no one holding your hand. There's no one pushing you to do mm-hmm. it. Because even at our office, I'm not like we have so much work to do. If you slacked off, I probably wouldn't even be able to notice because we're just we're always working. Um, but the fact that you go out of your way to have that discipline and that that restriction of. I would rather do something else, but I'm going mm-hmm. to stick with it because I'm in I like I'm, there's part of me that is interested, but I know inside that this is going to benefit me long run and plus there's a part of you that genuinely wants to know the answer yeah and one of the biggest takeaways i've had from this is that there's always a better solution and so you can all you get to a point where you're like 80 percent there and you'll be satisfied and once i get to that point i'm usually fine right but before that point you gotta like realize there's something better right you you cannot just stop here Mm -hmm. and if it's a small thing, like it's not super important, you can let it slide, but it'll always be in the back of my mind, like we can do this better. There's yeah. a better way to do that. And I think that's the reason, you know, that's that's the crux of, you know, your creative people as well as your technical people is they, a lot of people either don't care or mm-hmm. a lot of people want it to be perfect. And that's probably the reason the podcast took so long to launch is because I'm like wanting to make sure that everything's lined out and that it can go smoothly whenever we start shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I you know, that's something I hold to myself, but also I want it to be valuable to other people. I don't want to just throw out crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's always going to be something that uh, people that want to either pursue it for themselves or pursue it to, I wouldn't say impress others, but you want to you want to show the world what you created. Yeah. And you can still in-house. Mm-hmm. You still do the trial runs. You want to make sure everything's going okay. And like you realize, yeah. oh, crap, the, the microphone's in the wrong position. Yeah. Or like the exposure was just way off. Right. And so you, you still have those little tiny, tiny little iterations mm-hmm. that you go over. Right. You know, you don't really think of them that way. No, I think it's a good yeah. point because this, is, this isn't going to be perfect the first time. It's not going to be perfect the hundredth time. But the point is you, you, have to you still it. want to keep doing it. Yeah. And you want to keep making these revisions. Uh, there's just kind of like that human nature of uh, this could be better. Let's yeah. pursue that. It's in everything. I mean, artists, people who like cartoonists, anybody in that realm where you're just producing art, mm-hmm. they always have like a huge mountain of scrapped work behind them. And in front, like it's all this amazing stuff that they're really proud of. But like they have to have that mountain of garbage behind them or what they consider garbage uh, behind them in order to make what they think is their best work and still they might not be satisfied with that mm-hmm. so how would you um how would you define yourself or what you do like in in one sentence uh as far as like the the creating the technical stuff like what what would you define that as um could you define that maybe you can't and i'm i don't know um uh, production through iteration probably is the best way to put it mm-hmm uh, you have to just build upon your failures. What's, um, I guess like what would, <laughs> maybe this was for you. Mm-hmm. Be- was there a point that, uh, before you started, th- before you started this type of mindset, was there like a point where you transitioned or has that just been innate, like growing up, you've just always been this way? I think I, it, I've been very critical of myself in my younger years. And at some point I had to learn, like, you have to be okay with just being crap at the start. And that was one of the biggest reasons I didn't like playing sports at all. And 
I could probably get into it a little bit now, but I just don't have the passion for it. Mm-hmm. Is that when I was starting out, I noticed that everybody was somehow better than me. Yeah. Or they just had a knack for it. Or they're just playing longer than me. I don't know. Uh, I could have been like really great at soccer or something, but I couldn't handle the fact like, oh man, people are better than me. Like, what's the point in trying if there's someone already better than me? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've got the good players already. They don't need me. So what's like, um, what's like, in your opinion, the biggest misunderstanding about what you do, whether you want to talk about the career side mm-hmm. or want to talk about the mindset of how you got to where you are? What's the biggest misunderstanding that, you know, oh, David, you're just naturally good at this, you know, or programming's easy. Why would you go into that field, that type of thing? Uh, you've, mm, that is a, a pretty hard one to answer because it's different for everybody. Some people have learned to understand this. Uh, some just have like through experience, just over and over from the exposure. Like there, there's so many different reasons why you could be good at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like everybody's like unique in their own way and they have something to bring to the table. I mean, they're, the only reason to not do something is like you, I, I can't even think of one. Like you, like your own your unique perspective that you can like look at something is like already more than enough yeah. to, to like say like, yeah, give it a shot. So for the people that may have misunderstandings, whether mm-hmm. it's, it's about, you know, they, they're too insecure. They're like, oh, I don't want to try this because everyone's already better than me. Why would mm-hmm. I even bother? Um, whether that's them wanting to come into software development, uh, whether they they want to be creative, but they mm-hmm. feel like they just they're too technical. They they don't feel like they could fit in that industry. What advice do you have either for yourself as a, at a at a younger age or for mm-hmm. people with these types of questions? Um, I'd say like I'm far from the greatest in my field. Like I'm just starting. I'm finishing my college, but I'd say like everybody who's done this unless they're like absolutely arrogant and full of themselves. They have a huge amount of self-doubt in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody is truly 100% confident of what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many people were confident when we were sending somebody up to the moon the first time. I, I just like, how could you be confident in that? Yeah. Um, so the doubt like you have that is normal and everybody around you feels the same way. It's a common... Uh, they call it imposter syndrome. Yeah. Where like you first like get your job or like when you've had your job for like 20 years, you feel like I'm not really like a software developer. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really a good teacher. Like I, I'm just acting like a good one. But everybody has that feeling about themselves. So you think that's normal? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. I think I think there is a part of it that's healthy um, mm-hmm. in, in, in moderation because it's like it keeps you from doing something too crazy too ridiculous like mm-hmm. too out there uh and, and there's always going to be people that break the mold and that's a good thing you know like there, there's going to be people that excel um out of their own confidence and exuberance but for for a lot of people i i guess what i want to say is there's few people that do that and make it because the yeah. people that do it and don't make it fall short out of their own arrogance, out of their mm-hmm. own pride, out of their own hubris, they think that they they can make it on their own. They're they're fine. They can do whatever they want because they're the best at it. And those are the people that you oftentimes see just fall short, and then you never hear about them again. Those are like the one hit wonders, the the people that just didn't stick with it. Um, yeah. And I think that just kind of touches a little bit more on your idea of persistence and sticking yeah. with it, even if you're not good. Yeah. And on the outside you may have to come across as a little bit overconfident, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, 
a lot of it is this charismatic thing where you, you have to have like people believe you can do it in the first place. Right. Like if you're just on the outside acting like, oh, I, I can't do this. Like, and you, you seem like not seem weak, but people kind of naturally be like, I don't know if I want to work with that guy because right. they don't seem too confident in themselves. So on, a lot of successful people, I think, do on the outside have that shell like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And that's what's intimidating the most because they know they need to have that. But on the inside, they still have all those doubts. Right. But they're handling them and they're, they're going through that self-improvement process so they can actually really prop up like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's the, that's the benefit of having a good team is because, yeah, whenever you have that, um, whenever you have that customer face, as you, as you might refer to, mm-hmm. um, that you might have some uncertainty and some questions. But if you have a good team that you can rely on, you know, you can go back to them and you're like, hey, let's let me let me talk, you know, as you're talking to these customers or these people that you want to interact with or, or show off your skill sets. Uh, you're like, hey, let me let me talk to one of my friends about this real quick. And, yeah. you know, you can do that in a way that's still confident. That doesn't say you don't know what you're doing, but it's a it's out of you know respect for their time. You want to make sure that, you know, you can meet mm-hmm. their needs. And you have that good team, that safety net to fall back on. You ask questions. Yeah. So they're not going to directly abandon you and be like, hey, like, I don't want to be part of this anymore just because you say something like yeah. that. And that's where you get the, like we said earlier, well, you said so eloquently, <laughs> two sides of the coin. You know, what are you, mm-hmm. you going to do without the other half? Um, and I, I think that's partly why we work so well together is because there are things that I don't know. And um, there's times where I will be in the middle of a client meeting and I'll, you know, hey, hey David, hey, David. <laughs> and... Um, Yep. I'll ask you a question. And, you know, I, in my opinion, if I were sitting at a table and um, somebody on the other side was trying to work with me, sell me something, whatever the case is, I would almost feel reassured, not necessarily because they have to ask a question, but they have someone mm-hmm. within arm's reach, within a phone call away, a text away that could answer those questions for yeah. them. A good network. Yeah. Because showing it like, I don't know this type of stuff. But I was smart enough to go out and get a guy who does. Right. So I, know I don't guy. have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also pay him. He's in the next room down the hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, yeah. Okay. That's that's a whole part of the team. It's how it works. It's, it's that net that you said. Yeah. It, ha- it supports like one another, like one end of the rope's attached over here, one end's over here. Mm-hmm. You can't be attached to two ends like that. Yeah. You have to have somebody over there. So. All right. Well, I think... That's, you know, I think we're pretty much wrapped it all the way back around. Good teams, uh, be persistent, stick with it. Is there any last things that you'd want to mention for anybody watching? Oh, all, all three of them. All three beautiful viewers, including you. Um, <laughs> man, uh, if you're a creative person, just, uh, or somebody who's wanting to like venture out and do something that you're like passionate about just surround yourself with people who have that same type of goal or you feel like that are going to support you because like even if they don't know what they're what you're doing uh just having that support is a key to to just execute what you want to do yeah yeah and um if people want to get a hold of you uh outside of the company if people have questions uh would you be willing to uh answer questions and how could they get a hold of you (laughs) yeah uh i got an email you can just shoot me uh Anything you want to ask? I don't know if I'm going to have anything good to say, but it'll be for me. You'll <laughs> you'll know that. Yeah. Um, it's David at d a v d o dot dev uh, davdo dot dev. So, 
And if yeah. people want to, you know, follow your work, yeah. see what you're up to, what type of projects you're working on, is there any way that they could do that social um, media wise? I'm on. Well, I use Twitter, but it's mainly for memes. Uh, but I sometimes tweet things that are maybe important. Who knows? Yeah. Important memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have uh, it's by the same handle. It's a Davdo or the Davdo. Um, and then I've got GitHub if you're a programmer. Uh, same handle, the Davdo. D A V D O. Yeah. And we'll uh, have that popped up. Yeah, it'll be nice, easy to read. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, usually don't think I say anything important. Sometimes I do. <laughs> Who knows? I think we need to work on that confidence again. Bring that oh, back man. up. But I'm confidently saying something I'm not confident about. Yeah, it's always good to admit when you don't know what you're talking about, and um, that's pretty much the whole podcast. So if you guys enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, which I'd highly recommend because I think video Mm. is the best, most premium way to consume any form of media. However, I think we're going to be uploading this on to Spotify and Mm. maybe others in the future. Again, this is the first one. We'll we'll, we'll tinker it out. We'll have description in the – well. We will have a description with links in it below. Uh, probably Facebook as well. Facebook people. Yeah. It's not intended for long-form content, but so many relatives and people that I interact with on a regular basis always ask for that. Hey, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. Again, my name is Tristan Watkins. This is David Baker. If you guys are interested, we're Triflix Cast. Uh, we're located in Columbus, Indiana, doing multimedia needs. Uh, feel free to stop by and see what we can do for you. I don't know how to end a podcast. Peace. Peace.